0: Well, good morning. Um, I do want to say something that I wasn't planning on saying today, and normally when you do that, you shouldn't do that, but I'm going to say that anyways. Um, the passage today, I'm going to tell you the bottom line up front. Today, we're going to talk about how no one can snatch us out of the hands of Christ. Now, we watched a game last night, and there was a lot of ball snatching going on on both sides. One of the most fantastic was there at the end, our vols, you know, punching the ball out of somebody's hands. I only want to say that, not, not to just try to defend myself, but I want you to know I didn't plan this sermon and put it together just this morning, okay? It's just providence that, that we can talk about this today. But if you would, just open, open your Bibles to John chapter 10. We're going to look at John chapter 10, 22 through 42, and I'm going to read that for us. John chapter 10, 22 through 42. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you were blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I'm, if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I Am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him and said to him, and, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that as we look at this today, as we look at, at who you are and how you hold us in your grip of grace, that we would be encouraged, that we would see who we are in you, and that we would go into all the world uh, dripping your love, pouring your love out. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. So when I was little, I really liked to go to the arcades to play video games. Now, this, we did have game consoles at home. It was like the Atari 2600, it was Pac-Man, and bang, 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 bang and do stuff like that. And, it, and I did enjoy that, but it was nothing like going to the arcade, because I would get a pocket full of quarters, and I would head to the arcade, and, I, and that's Pac-Man Fever, because I had some Pac-Man Fever, and it was driving me crazy, and three of you know that song. And so when we'd get, we'd get to the arcade, we would play these games, and it was my friend Tony, we we would hear that there's a new arcade down the street. We would try to get his mom or my dad or somebody, somebody to take us to this arcade. We would get to the arcade, and every now and then there would be this one little non-fun game that we thought it would be this grip tester machine. See how strong you are. And of course, Tony and I and all our buddies we were like, well, "Yeah, we got to play that game." You know, so. It, so what we, you do, you go over to this thing, and some of them, so they vary. Some of them are like, it's Uncle Sam, and it's like, Uncle Sam wants you. And instead of like that, it's like his hand and like the pinky part. You grab it, and you just squeeze it, and it'll tell you something. But there was this one particular one. It was just this knob, and you grab it, and you just you squeeze it. You just squeeze it, and it would, it would go. It would just vibrate to make you think that something something magical is really going on that is really testing to see how strong you are. But then certain little sentences would light up and they would say something like this. So this is after you're doing it, okay? It would say things like, uh, you can start now. Hey, sweetheart, you should let your husband give it a shot. But what we really wanted to see was stuff like, somebody called the manager, this guy broke the machine. But what I really wanted to see, and what all my buddies wanted to see, is it light up. Why are you playing games when you should be out slaying dragons? That's what we wanted. We wanted to know that we had a strong grip, that we were awesome, and we were strong. Jesus says of his sheep, No one can snatch my sheep out of my hand. This will be the primary focus of our time today. But I do want to to put this in context as we just read. There's this feast of dedication going on in the temple. Many Jewish leaders, Jewish people are gathered in this temple. And what I picture, I picture Jesus being there. His followers are there. The religious leaders see him. They see masses of people. It sounds like a very honest question. It sounds like a nice question. Hey, hey don 't keep us in suspense uh, any longer uh, are you if you 're the Christ, just, just tell us plainly because we 're longing for you we 're waiting for you like a bride waiting. please tell us we long no it, that, that wasn 't the heart. The heart was, hey, okay, now everybody there 's a lot of people gathered around, so we can we can get him to say something. That he's been saying, this guy's been doing these, these miracles. He's been doing these things. He, there's different claims of deity going on. We want him to say it out loud. We want people to hear him. We want to stone him. We want to kill him. We want to get rid of him. He wasn't saying, they weren't saying, hey, whew, the suspense is killing me. They were saying, don't leave us in suspense because we want to be killing you. Jesus knew that that was going on. He answers boldly. He answers he answers well, and and with even within his answers, he he claims he claims deity. I and the Father, we're, we're one. Yeah, we're one in will, we're one in desire, but we're we're one. They, they, they pick up stones to start to stone him. So he starts talking to him a little bit more. To say, Well, I, I know you're about to stone me, but let me say even more to you. And he says even more to him. And they get really mad and they decide at that point that they're, just, they're going to arrest him and take him away. And like other passages we see, it just says, and he escaped. Those are the, those are the, 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 the YouTube videos that I want to see in heaven. That, the, the different times where it says, and then Jesus, he escaped. Or that Paul, you know, that, that's pretty amazing that that happens. But here's, a, here's something I want you to think about. As the religious leaders... They're receiving these bold words. They're being emboldened for their mission, what they want to do. But I want you to think about the disciples that were there with Jesus. Right? I I picture them behind them, and I picture Jesus saying this to the people, to all the people. This this is who I am. Yeah, these are are the works that I do. These are the works that my father does. This is what we do. I and the Father were one. And and you know you, you don't understand this because you're you're not one of my sheep because my my sheep these guys and so I want you to think about that I want you there, there was a time there was a time when there, we had a neighbor across the street um, that that my dad loved on well he gave this guy a job to come cut a tree down to do different things uh, but this guy he came over I, was, I I remember I was a teenager this guy came over. He had been smoking a little bit of too much of something. He just wasn't. He just wasn't right in that moment. But I remember. I remember my dad just telling him, "Hey, I can't remember. I didn't know what the conversation was that he had with my dad. But I remember my dad saying, okay, okay you need you need to you need to move on out. You need to get not, not that he was living with us. You need to you need to get you need to go back to your house. Things aren't right right now.' And I remember the boldness of my dad doing that." But I remember the receiving of man, my dad. My dad's not talking to me right now, but he's saying a whole lot to me right now. My dad was saying, you know, I, I take care of my family. And that's what's going on in this passage. There's a lot going on in this passage. But one of the things that's definitely happened in this passage is Jesus is telling us, us something right here. John 10, 27 through 30, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. I and the Father are one. So what I want to talk to you today, and what I want us to think about, is the five-finger grip of grace. Grace the five-finger grip of grace. And it's going to be through John 10, 27 through 30. This first finger, if you would, Jesus says, my sheep. He says, my sheep. Right here, there's this doctrine of election that's difficult for us to to grasp. Right here, there's a my sheep. There is this before the foundations of the world. There's in Ephesians chapter one, verse four. That He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. He calls us His. There is a My sheep, and this is His prerogative. This is a My sheep. This is a strong, strong grip. If, if there was a, if there was, if if you would, if God was a, just a one finger God, that's enough. That we are His. Before the foundation of the world, He set His heart upon you. Knowing all your funk, knowing all your trash, knowing all your sin, knowing all your rebellion, He knew that He was going to save you. And He knew how He was going to do that. And He says, my sheep, my sheep. The second one, hear my voice. My sheep, hear my voice. There's an external call of the gospel that goes out. It's what we desire to do for the city of Knoxville. Knoxville. It's what we, des- we desire to do within our own families. It's what we want to see happen all over the world. We want the gospel message, the good news, that Jesus has come into this world. He has lived a perfect life. He has died a death that we deserve. He's drank the cup of God's wrath. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And he can give eternal life. This gospel, this outward calling is to go out. But this hear my voice, this hear my voice, this is a calling. This is an effectual calling. That when Jesus breaks through that heart of stone and speaks into our hearts through the outward call of the gospel, there is an inward work of the Holy Spirit that happens. There is an effectual call where we, what? What are you saying? For some reason today, I like what you're saying. For some reason today, it makes sense. For some reason today, I think I need you. For some reason today, I see that I'm not a good king. This is not because you're smart. This is a work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9-10. through 10. But you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Jesus says, my sheep, hear my voice. That you can even hear the voice of the God that we've rebelled against is grace. That is a grip of grace that he would even talk to you. That he would say that you're his sheep, that he would even call you and talk to you is amazing grace. And that's enough to hold you by itself. He says, I know them, my sheep, I know them. It's interesting that he doesn't say, my sheep know me. He says, I know them. I know them. We are known. God's sheep are known. The Bible very clearly in so many passages talks about this isn't just a know that that God knows everything. It's not just that he knows all the hairs on your head. He does. It's not just that he knows your fingerprint. He does. He, He drew it up. It's not just that he knows when you, when you rise and when you lie down. He knows that. He knows all these things. He knows the details of your life. This is a know that refers to a love, that refers to intimacy, that refers to a very tight relationship. I know them. I love them personally, intimately, lovingly. John 10, 3. Last week we looked at John 10.3. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. By name. Jesus says, Chris, come on. Mason, come on. Kurt, come on. Sherry, come on. He says our names. But it's not just this, uh, I, I know what your name is. Your name's Mark. Okay, come on. No, it's you're Mark, and I love you. Come on. I know them. Zephaniah 3, 17. If you ever think that the sovereignty of God and his kingship is not compatible with love then then, then you just got to continue to read the bible because he is a loving sovereign amazing king Zephaniah chapter 3:17 says this about our mighty father our great king the lord your god is in your midst a mighty one who will save He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I don't know what God is singing over me, but I know that a lot of those lyrics have to do with who He is, who His Son is, the Holy Spirit, but a lot of those lyrics, it has our names in it. He's singing over us. And this is for his praise. A lot of you are looking for love. And you know. You know that security, a lot of security is, if I could just know that I am dearly loved by somebody, I would just feel so free. Somebody loves me. Somebody loves me. I don't, I don't care if we have food on the table tonight. Somebody loves me. That's a strong grip of grace. Is somebody loves us, and that somebody is Jesus. Jesus says, I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life. So, this right here, if we look at Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 5, says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. I give them eternal life. I make them alive. I make them not dead. I give them life. My sheep, these guys, I love them. I call them. I know them. They hear me because I give them life. I open their ears, I open their eyes, and I don't just open these things, I give them life, and I give it abundantly. And they know me, and I know them. This is a regeneration that happens. This is, a, this is a heart of stone being made into a heart of flesh. This is amazing grace that this would happen. Just that God saves us is, is, is amazing that he makes us alive. That we are alive. That is a grip of grace. That Jesus is the one. Our aliveness has everything to do that he, with his aliveness. That he came and lived the perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He received the punishment of God. But then he rose up from the dead after receiving that punishment of God. After drinking from the cup that we could not drink. He gives us his life. If Jesus did not come, we would still be dead. We would be ravaged by the wolves. We would be wolves. But he makes us alive. And the last, the last point, and there's many more grips, there's many more fingers, but just here in this passage, he says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. They will never perish. John 10, 29 says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Just picture this. Jesus is saying, My sheep are in my hand. Gospel message, all the things that I'm going to do, all the things that my Father has done, they're in my hand, and I hold them And they're also in my Father's hand. So there is this this double grip of grace going on. The Son holds us. The Father holds us. We are in a very, very secure place. Colossians 3, verse 3 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are secure if you are one of His sheep. You are secure. You are loved. You hear his voice. You are known. You are called. You are chosen. No one will snatch you out of Jesus' hands. But there's also something specific about this passage. Whereas in John 6, when we talked about Jesus being the bread of heaven, being our very sustenance that we have to have for life, and that this bread is eternal bread. There was a sense of that where uh, when we trust Christ, when we believe upon his name, when we by faith receive grace, and we do that, that we live forever. And there's a preservation that Jesus, that God the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, keeps us forever. But this passage is slightly different and just a nuance that's right here because they're they're implazified. There implies a fight that no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them. You will not be snatched out of Christ's hands. In other words, just think about this. I'm with my daughter. She's three years old. We're in Bangkok. We're walking around. We're surrounded by what seems to be a few million people. I don't know how many people, but it's everywhere I look, there's people. Everywhere I look, there's people. And then we get on, we go down to ride the subway train, and it is, we are packed thick. And I I turn to my daughter before we even go down the subway. I already have her hand tight. I'm carrying her most of the time, but I'm definitely carrying her at this point. Now, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. But what what I want to say is, I'm going to hold you tight because if I don't, somebody might snatch you up. She's going to be terrified. She's going to be terrified. What I'm going to do is I'm going to know that somebody's going to snatch my daughter. And I had, a, I had a healthy fear of that going on, but I'm telling you, my wife could tell you, often I had an unhealthy fear that people were just going to snatch my children up. And I would freeze up sometimes, and I would just be, she's like, they can't breathe, you know, <laughs> you know give them some air. But... But Jesus right here, it's not that we would be afraid, but He says that no one will snatch them. You're you're going to get your lights knocked out a few times. There's going to be suffering. And our loving Father, Luke talked about it a few weeks, our loving Father is not asleep during that time. Our loving Father, and it's hard for us to understand, is behind this. Nothing happens outside of His Goodness, nothing happens outside to us that He doesn't not only know but actually in His plan ordain. And Jesus is saying, No one's going to snatch you out of my hand. But we have some enemies, we have the world with all the things going on. We don't have to look anymore, we don't have to look so far into other countries and to think hey there's there's so much evil going on in the world we we've got to we've got to make ourselves just just safe no it's we we our world right here Knoxville we are surrounded by things to tempt us into a better life a better hand if you would we have we have people running for the to be the president of the United States. We have two individuals running for president of the United States that all of us would question their character. All of us would. This person has character issues with this. This person has character issues with that. And I'm telling you, if I'm running for president, you would say, and he has character issues with this too. But there's things right here in front of our face that we're constantly seeing. That we're starting to see leaders, we're starting to give leaders a certain pass on things they're saying, things they're they're doing, and we're saying, you know what? This is just the way that we got to live in this world. This is what we got to do. The world is trying to influence you, trying to say, hey, that grip that God has you in His standards, His ways, His goodness, His grace. It's ah, come on, that's sour. This is better. This is better. The world, the devil. his little cohorts, his powerful little mighty demons. We don't taste it. We don't see it that much in our context, but, but it's real. There, there is a spiritual realm. We would see this in Thailand. We had two of our staff people and I'm telling you, it's, it's not a glorious thing. It's not a, it's not a thing to raise a, raise a banner high when you, when you go and you You sit down. We had two of our staffs go go and sit down with someone that we were sharing the gospel with that was possessed by a demon. To go and and pray over them and see an earthly peace come over them. They don't come back. They don't come back to that meeting and, oh, you should have seen what we did. You should have seen this. No, they came back to talk about the nightmares that they were having. They came to talk about the difficulty they had even getting to sleep. They knew the truth, that God is good, that God can do that. But it's not this glorious thing. Oh, we, we cast out demons. Oh, that, that didn't even make their newsletters. It, it would have made my newsletter. It didn't make their newsletters. But if you ask them, is this real? Is this real? They would say, why, why would you even think it's not real? And I can give an American answer, because because we're we're duped enough by just the, the enticements of the world, you know the the devil and the demons can can work in other ways, in other places. We're, we're duped enough by by the world. We're even more duped just by our own flesh. That's another enemy. The flesh, our flesh, our desires. We want to follow our own desires. Jesus also says, so here's this group of grace, but he says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. But within that, he says, these are my sheep and they, they follow me, they follow me. This implies that there will be a sanctification that happens, God's preservation, God preserving your life, God preserving your life by his grip of grace, the works of Jesus, what he has done, the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of the Holy Spirit, upon your life of eternal life, him guaranteeing an inheritance for you. His grip, there is a, I'm gonna hold you, I'm I'm going to preserve you. This preservation is a sanctifying thing that goes on in our lives. It's conforming us more into the image of Jesus. His preservation is how we persevere. You don't persevere because you're so smart, because you've been to church enough, because you, you, you had X amount of VBSs, or if you were involved with campus outreach, that you've, you've been on a mountain project X amount of times. There's no checklist that says, I've done these things. I'm persevering. I'm persevering. I'm good. I'm, I'm being held because of what I do. No, it's Jesus holds us. And within that holding of us, He continues to love on us and allow us to be a part of things that where we hear truth where the power of the holy spirit says hey there are certain things that you're starting to believe that that's that's not good there's certain temptations in your life that you need to run from that but we absolutely are called and told to by faith persevere there is a fight of faith there's going to be bruises there's going to be some KOs you're going, to, you're going to look to your buddy who's running the race and you're going to be like checking his pulse. Are you okay? At the same time, you're like, are you okay? And, and you, somebody's checking your pulse because they know your life. And they're like, are you okay? This life, there's a group of grace that holds us forever and is good and loving. But there is the truth that there are enemies out. The world, the flesh, And the devil are out to try to knock you out. Psalm chapter 40, 11 through 12 says this. Psalm 40, 11 through 12. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evil... For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me. And I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. My heart fails me. This is some, this is some honesty. This is some honesty. This isn't, a, this isn't somebody saying, I don't hear you. You don't love me. You don't know me. This is, I, I hear you. I. I know you know me. I know you love me. But... Evil's around me and my own iniquities. I can't see. I need you. God's grip of grace in our lives, it is never to say you don't need me anymore. It's to say you always need me continually, always and forever. You need me. So you've got the grip of grace through Jesus. But there's also the grip of sin. There's the grip of sin that we daily battle with we battle with moment by moment. If you would, just think of it this way. If you think of all the different grips of grace, the grips of sin, you've got self-sovereignty. I'm king. I want to rule. I want to do what I want to do. That goes back to the original sin. That goes back to original sin. The first sin of disobedience. And then the doctrine of original sins, where it has affected us all. We are born sinful, needing a Savior, because we desire to be sovereign. We desire to be kings. We desire to to destroy the grip test machine, thinking that we could be great. We We say to ourselves, I choose what I want to choose. I know best. The grip of sin, it's also the desire to listen to the voice and calls of this world and the flesh and of the evil one. That there are actually times where we do, we do hear Jesus speaking to us. The Holy Spirit, through his word, God the Father calling out, but we also, there's the temptation is calling out, and from our flesh, we hear it, we hear it, and we want it. That is what sin is. Sin is being enticed and given in and going against the Father, going against his ways. We desire to listen to the voice of sin rather than the voice of Christ. The grip of sin says self-love is the way. Love yourself. Look out for number one. Be known. Be known by this world. Be successful. Get, have the appearance of whatever profession you're in, that you're, you're famous, that people like you, they want to listen to you, they, 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 they love you, they think they can't, they can't go on without you. Or... Sit in a trailer in the woods and be, be, be lonely and, and be happy and, and, and love yourself by not being around a lot of people. Whatever that type of self-love is, it's a grip that can hold you tight. We desire often, daily, moment by moment, to love ourselves. You don't, you don't do any sin because you... you you just think that this is good for my fellow, for fellow man. You, 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 you sin because you, you love yourself. You love yourself. And you, you think that this is going to help me love me more. And it's not. It's not a good thing. It is destructive. If you would, another, another grip of sin, if you just picture a line, just a straight line going all the way across the stage, and you know, on both, both ends of the line, it's the arrow that points that way and an arrow that points that way. That represents eternity. And so whereas Jesus says, I give them eternal life, the group of sins says, hey, who cares about eternal life? When you can live, you can live for this world right now, for this moment, and that's it. Get all you can right now, do whatever you can right now, because this is all that matters. If you think about it, the average lifespan, 75 to 85, somewhere in there. If you if you picture this line representing eternity, how much of eternity is 80 years on that line? It's a mechanical pencil, little lead, little dot. It's a it's a little dot. You're not going to be able to to distinguish it. You're special, but you're not special. (laughs) Are you living for eternity? Are you thinking about the group of grace? Wow, Jesus, you saved me for now, but you saved me for all eternity. I want to live for you. Or are you saying, I I live for this dot. Every every bit of my decisions that I make, it's just for these 60, 70, 80, 90 years. That's it. I don't don't care about anything else. So you're not eternity minded. The group of sin says, don't Worry about eternity. There is not an eternity. That's what the grip of sin says. Or the grip of sin says there is an eternity and, and we, we, all, we all get there and it's all good. So we need God's word to remind us what is truth to help us to live in light of eternity, not for the dot. And then lastly, it's self-preservation. So Jesus says, I will hold you forever. I will preserve you no one will snatch no one will snatch you out of my hand there's a, there's a self-preservation that we can see in our lives I'm going to just name a few traits of self-preservation that I think I know that I that I can see this in my own life and I can see it uh, in collectively with us there can be dishonesty self-preservation says uh, I'm going to just bold face lie self-preservation also says I'm going to I'm just going to lie a little bit. It's lying to, to, to save face, to, to, to get what I want, to preserve myself. Pride. Divisiveness. If you've ever purposely noticed that you're being very divisive and unhelpful, it's because you're trying to preserve your thoughts, your ideas, your image, your whatever. There is this there is this divisiveness that can go that route. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't be divisive, meaning here's truth, and I know that this truth is going to cause division, but there's a fine line in there when you're, uh, you're pursuing divisiveness just for the sake of only preserving what you think is best for you and for your good. It's self-serving, and there's entitlement. So this is a fight of faith. God's group of grace is our freedom. The group of sin is truly, truly a prison. And that's what Christ has come to save us from, to save us from sin, to save us from death, and to give us life. By grace, when surrounded and held by this grip of grace, you can't help but worship. Just think about it. Every single one of these grips of grace that Jesus talks about, my sheep, and I do this for them, and I do that for them, I love them. All of these things, every single one of these should lead you to say, thank you, God. Thank you that you know me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you hold me. Thank you that you call me. Thank you that I'm your sheep. Thank you. I worship you. I need you. But picture this also, when we think about application, what does this mean for application? If you would, just picture that we're sponges. Picture that we're sponges, and here we are in the grip of grace. In every single one of these truths that Jesus is talking about for his sheep, it's him pouring water into us. You're my sheep. That's water just being poured into us. It's refreshing. It's good. It's filling us up. Water, 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 water. All of these, just pouring water. And we're filled up with water. And then he takes us into our families and he says, I want you to go hang out with them. And he he squeezes us. What comes out? What comes out when you... When you, when you are held in the grip of grace, when you are trusting in the Savior that calls you His sheep, when you are being filled up by Him, and when He squeezes you, what comes out is grace. What comes out is you acknowledging, I need Jesus. What comes out is the love of God into your family, into your places of work. But when you're being held by the, in the grip of sin, And you go into your families, you go into your place of work, and the grip of sin squeezes you. What comes out? Sin comes out. Destruction comes out. Anger comes out. Lust comes out. Self-righteousness comes out. So God's grip of grace for his sheep, yes, it's for us. It's for us to receive for us to worship Him in, but it's also for something that that when the world is trying to snatch, when they're trying to snatch us, and they reach in and give a little squeeze, you know what happens when the world reaches in and grabs a sheep that is saying, I love Jesus. When the world reaches in and squeezes us, you know what comes out also? Grace. Love. Not perfectly. But when you're trusting in God's sovereign, amazing grip of grace... We're like sponges. He pours out his love, mercy, and grace upon us. There's an amazing book that I only really suggest this to those that are like love books on like academic studies and whatnot. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, it's It's a children's book, and I'm telling you, it's if you don't have this book, get this book. It's an amazing book. It's got beautiful pictures all in it. But for those of you that would be embarrassed, they actually came out with this book and they took all the pictures out of it because so many adults are buying this Bible. But this grip of grace, this squeezing of love, it is is not to highlight how great we are, how great we are persevering in this life, but his preservation, his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. This is our Jesus from the beginning, from the garden, God promising a never stopping, unbreaking, unchanging, always and forever love from the beginning. God had in his plan that yes, I'm pushing you out of the garden with both of my hands because of your sin. I'm sending my son and he's going to snatch you up with his grip of grace and he's going to hold you forever and it's because of him. And this is freedom. This is security. This is how you can face that problem that you're in right now. This is how you can confess the sin that you're saying, hold me. This is how we look to one another. This is, this is the brother looking back up and saying, why would you even care about me? Why would you check my pulse? You're seeing where I'm going. You're seeing what I'm doing. And we say, yeah, but he's got you. He loves you. Let's get up. And then my buddy's doing the same with me. Let's get up. We begin to drip grace in our families, our neighborhoods, our places of work, our schools, places of professional ministry. But his grip of grace doesn't end on you. It's for you, but it doesn't end there. His grip, he grips you to eventually grip others. My sheep, he says, are one flock. Here at Legacy, we have community on mission groups, comm groups, These groups are times for us to come together to actually be squeezed by God's grace, for us to remind each other who we are in Christ, the work that he has done, and to actually think together, be squeezed together, and say, how are we going to take this water into a thirsty world? Where are some of these places for us to do that? I invite you, if you're not a part of a com group, to to ask Chris about these comm groups. Chris is in the back. If you raise your hand? Right there is Chris, Luke. You can talk to Luke. You can talk to me. Talk to us about these calm groups. It's a time to come together. We talk about the sermon. We talk about our lives with one another. We usually have some pretty good snacks going on for the most part. But we think about how can we go and drip into the world? How can we do that together as a flock? But we also have within these groups, we have DNA groups. And these are, these are times when we can get into that nitty-gritty. What, what are you believing? Are you believing the works and the righteousness of Jesus? or are you, are you believing the world, the flesh, and the devil right now? The gospel isn't just that Jesus saves you. It's that Jesus holds you forever. You need to continually preach the gospel to yourself. But most of us are bad at that, so we need to be a part of a community where someone is preaching the gospel to us. That Jesus loves you. <laughs> That he holds you, he's going to use you. We're going to get through this. I know that you can't see it. I know that you don't feel it. But the truth is, is that he holds you. And part of him holding you is his ordained promise that he holds you forever. But one of the ways he holds you on this earth is through community. Now, we're, we're we're weak fingers, but we're part of that. We hold one another, but not perfectly like he does. John 10, 16 says this. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. So again, picture picture Christ speaking to the people. There's a lot of people on this side that are wanting to crucify him. And take him out. There's a lot of people in that that category. There's a lot of his sheep that love him. But some of these that aren't of the fold. At the end of this. Either that day or the day later. A lot of them are part of his fold now. Because he speaks to them. And he shares love to them. But he says. Jesus says this. I must bring them also. Jesus will bring in the sheep. And as a church. We desire to see people come to Christ. We want to see people gripped by the grace of Jesus. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit. For their eyes to be open, For their hearts to be loved by our Creator. And Jesus is going to do that work here in Knoxville, in Tennessee, in the United States. And if you're wondering, what does the call look like to be a missionary? What the call looks like is receiving grace. It's a, it's a being squeezed. It's a trusting Jesus that He loves me and he's squeezing me, and you will drip. You will pour out imperfectly, but it will happen. But what does that, what does that mean for, What does that mean for the people on the other side of the world too? It's the same thing. So somebody in this room is thinking, i got some specific things for Knoxville that I want to see. But some of you are asking, what does that mean for the rest of the world? It's the same thing. It's, it's, It's eventually pick a different city in a different place and be squeezed. Some of you, it doesn't scare you a bit to think about going into another place and being squeezed. Some of us, that's a scary thought. But here's the bottom line. Jesus said there's other sheep that are not of this fold. That is right here in your family. That is right here in Knoxville. That's right here in Tennessee. And that is all over the world. And Jesus says that he is going to go and bring them in. Here's the thing as a church. Church, do we we want to be a part of that flock ministry going on? Do we want to join in with the privilege of being the ones that God would use to go out and see people come to Christ? Well, the suspense is over. Remember, they came in saying, Don't keep us in suspense. The suspense, the suspense is over. The Messiah has come. We no longer need to drop quarters in the grip test machine. It's His grip, it's His strength, it's His goodness that we trust in, that we rely on. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. How about you? Are you trusting in in His grip? Are you trusting in your own grip? We're going to move into a time of worship right now. During this time, we're going to pray together. We have communion tables set up in the back. During this time of worship, we're going to sing praises to God. We're going to thank Him for what He's done. We're going to thank Jesus for being good and amazing. And during this time of worship, you, those of you that are believers, you, you go back with your families, go back and, and remember his blood was poured out for you. He gives eternal life. His body was broken for you. If Jesus would leave heaven, come to earth, live in this world, die a horrendous death on the cross, receive the wrath of God, rise up from the dead, yes, he can hold you. He can hold you. And so we want to remember today that he is holding us. We want to have communion today together saying this, blo- this juice represents his blood. He holds me. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. This, blood rep- this, this bread represents that his body was broken for me. I no longer have to try to go and break my body and make, make me look awesome. He holds me. So let's worship together. Let's stand up and read Psalm 23 one through six together. The Psalm of David. So read with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you that before the foundation of the world you loved us. I don't understand that. But what I do understand is that I need a savior, that we need a savior and Jesus you stepped in as our hero. And you saved us by your life and your death and your resurrection. So thank you, Jesus. May we hear you. May we know of your love. And may we go out into all the world proclaiming your goodness. It's in your name we pray, amen.